Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So nice to see you all. Here we are. Feels <laughs> <laughs> a little rebellious, and here we are. <laughs> what I want to remind us of is that this time and all these ceremonies that happen around this time of the year are about light and darkness, which is all about ancient, and it's in our ancient DNA. I mean, it's even before our mammal DNA, it's in our plant and protozoa DNA to know about light and dark, to be uh, able to take, make use of the dark and the light. We absolutely need the light. Without the sun and the light, we couldn't be alive, it wouldn't be life. So the light is deeply, deeply, incredibly, deeply important to us. In the dark, we need to, um, we need to go into the dark, at least in our plant DNA. Um, you know, this is the time of year that trees, many trees, um, to turn toward their roots. And this is a, I guess you'd say conscious. I mean, this is a decision that trees make. They send out something to um, tell the leaves to cut the leaves. It's a little thing called cutting. And so the leaves don't just decide to fall off. The, the tree cuts them off and sends them out to us to rake up. Endless <laughs> work for Zen students all over the world. But the plants, uh, all these plants, all these trees, actually choose to go uh, away from the, the light source. Of course, they're still getting a lot of light and photosynthesis process, but they go toward the roots. This is a time when the roots are nourished. So if you have plants like some of ours around here, that need a little bit of fertilizer boost or compost water, um, now is the time you feed the roots. And you pour water on the roots to get them to develop. You don't do this during their blooming time because all their energy is going to the bloom. You don't want to turn their attention back to the roots. You put the fertilizer on now so it goes to the roots. So. Somehow or other, we have to get to understand this need to go into the dark. And I love that longest night of the year. Did you all love that night? It was so nice and dark. And all of us have different experiences of the dark. I grew up in a town that didn't have street lights, so we were used to that. And as children, because in my generation, Parenting was what we would now call totally neglectful. Parenting <laughs> 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 was, you know kids are? No. <laughs> They're off doing what they do. And hopefully they'll be back by dinner. And so we love the dark as children. Because we could go anywhere, anytime, and do whatever kids did. So darkness is also a kind of freedom for us. And then there's this light that's celebrated, and all, I mean, I don't know about all religions, but I do know a little bit about Judaism and Buddhism and Christianity, to put them in their chronological order. Judaism, 
Buddhism and Christianity. And this time of year is a celebration of something. So it's a celebration of something really important. And one thing that is about is hardship. It's really about hardship. So I don't know too much about um, the, uh, well, first I'll start with the, with the Hanukkah story a little bit. Um, Hanukkah is not such an old celebration, but what it celebrates is super old. So it celebrates a really hard battle. And Judah and the Maccabees fought a very, very, very difficult battle against, so the story goes, and I'm not, I'm not an expert, but the story is that Judah and the Maccabees had to fight a giant battle against the Syrians at that time. And by a miracle, basically, well, they won because they fought really hard, but then the miracle was that they wanted to celebrate their battle and light a candle, and they only had this tiny bit of oil, so they lit the candle, and then on subsequent nights, right, the oil had grown, and so they were able to light the, keep the candle going for eight days. So the miracle of the light and the symbolism of the candle, I'll say something about it, but the, the story behind it is struggle and hardship and uh, fighting for freedom, certain kind of freedom. And freedom, one of the freedom, one of the elements of that freedom that's celebrated to this day was freedom of, of worship, of religion, because the in the story, the Syrians were again trying to um, erase the form of, of worship that the Jews were doing and impose their own form of worship on them. And so the fight was for religious freedom for all of us. We're going to do it. We'd like to do it our way. And they fought for it. So that's one of the thing, one of the background stories of hardship that's celebrated at this time of year. And then the Buddhist story, which is associated with a, the vision of a star, is of awakening. After various arduous practices and self-denial, and then seeing the morning star and waking up, and understanding that all beings of the same nature, and all are totally free and liberated. Another kind of religious freedom. And of course, the, one of the core teachings of Buddhism is that this vision erased the, the status differences among people. They're just all the same. Everyone has the same nature. Everyone's all the same. And then Christianity, the story of hardship, is that arduous journey to find a place to give birth. And of course, there are certain kinds of oppression. And then the birth and the morning star that guided the wise men to the place of the birth of possibility. And um, love. So all, all of these religious practices are associated with Equality and love. That's one part. And another part of this 
year is that we want to say especially the story of the candles. I listened to a, a Rebbe give a talk about the meaning of the candles that are lit for Hanukkah. Now, I really like this. I'm going to share with you the teachings of the meaning of the candles. He says, what are the flickering flames telling us? Why is it that we're drawn to light? He said, one of the meanings of the candles is, never be afraid to stand up for what's right. So that's the meaning of Judah and the Maccabees. Never be afraid to stand up for what's right. I take that meaning from the He says, always increase in matters of goodness. I'm going to take that as one of our um, New Year's one of my New Year's resolutions. Always increase in matters of goodness. It's kind of a co-op too. How, how do we increase in matters of goodness? How will we do that on a day, daily basis? Samantha Bhadra, who's the great Bodhisattva of action, who actually isn't on our um, altar. He's usually riding on an elephant. He's very composed. He's the Bodhisattva of great activity. And these are embodiments of profound principles that function in our world. So what does great enlightened activity look like? Of course, it looks like Samantha Bhadra riding on a giant elephant. But in our daily life, for Samantha Bhadra, things for activity. Famous for always acting for the benefit of all beings. What his main practice was to sit upright, contemplating the true marks of reality. And last week, Hondo Dave, Dave Rushman talked about a principle of contemplation, which was contemplation of reality with a loving gaze. And I think I'd like to add that to Samantha Bhadra, although that would be adding something to the Lotus Sutra, which is probably not done, but <laughs> contemplating the true marks of reality with a loving gaze, which is the main reason why we have, um, is it the main reason? One of the important reasons we have representations of bodhisattvas and Buddhas on our altar is because of that gaze. They've figured out the artists of our school are trying to represent what it's like to fully know the human situation and look at it with a loving gaze. They're looking at us with a loving gaze and showing us how we can look at the menagerie of Houston Zen Center with a loving gaze. It's like a manger. There's one over there. She is so cold. Luckily, I, um, I had to buy a heating pad a while ago when I was nursing my arm injury, and so Kiki has colonized the heating <laughs> She decided she lived here, as some of you know. She moved in about two or three years ago. She decided she lived here and has become a um, uh, co-teacher the center. She likes to sit on my cushion. <laughs> so back to the Rebbe's teachings, what we learned from the candles. He said, 
a little light goes a long way. So the lights, the candles are lit when dusk is falling. And in Judaism, according to the Rivi, um, this is like Buddhism too. The day begins at nightfall. That's the beginning of the day. And Buddhism too. When we do um, very formal ceremonies, the first part of the ceremony is at night. And then it continues in the day. But the ceremony begins at night, and then you invite, this is for Buddhists, you invite the presence of the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas to come. So they start congregating, and then they're here all night. So when we did the funeral for Dave Johnson, which is one of the most formal ceremonies, the first ceremony is at night. Now all the Buddhas come, and then the next day they're kind of already here, so that we can, we're surrounded by this loving, aware presence. And the same is true in, in, in Judaism, the, the day begins at night. Apparently this is from the Old Testament when um, the story. I'll have to look it up. And then there's another meaning of the candles and especially of Hanukkah. Take it to the streets. Hello. Take it to the streets. The meaning of Hanukkah is um, be bold, be obvious, and do your practice so that others can see. Be who you are. Don't be afraid to be who you are. Put it out there. And this especially means do good deeds. Be good. Do good deeds. doesn't mean we have to. It's not um, proselytizing in the sense of trying to convince people to do it my way. It's just do good deeds, be obvious. And you could, we can say why. Is there something happening outside? I think there's some folks on the balcony over there, so I'm oh, surmising. Let's go and do some good deeds to them. <laughs> <laughs> so the teaching of the candles in Hanukkah is that this is your light, our light, and a couple other lots of teachings about candles, and each of us has this flame. Let it shine. And let it show, let yourself be who you are with other people. And uh, finally, in the Rebbe's teachings, don't be ashamed to perform mitzvahs if, even if you feel different. Isn't that nice? Don't be ashamed to perform good deeds, holy activity. Just do it. Have you ever felt that feeling of kind of reluctance to be good in a, in a setting? Yeah, so this teaching, the teaching of the candles is don't be ashamed of doing a good deed or not doing a bad deed. That's the teaching of the candles. And that's the teaching of all of these um, holy beings that kind of come up out of the earth at this time of year. They're who they are. You know? Buddha became Buddha because he was totally himself. Jesus became Jesus because he was totally himself, not afraid to be giving messages that were different from what they heard, not afraid to be shining lights. So we, human beings, can have the experience of being blown about by the winds of change and blown about by the winds. They say there are eight winds, gain and loss, status and 
um, not status, uh, the others. The Book of the Eights, gain and loss, status, disgrace, praise and blame, pleasure and pain. And these are the, this is the summation of kind of wins that blow us about. And the example of our the holy people is that they're able to sway with those winds and not be toppled. So for us, even not wobbling is a big step. The winds are going to keep blowing. They never stop. Change never stops. But the example of the of the, the ancient traditions and the holy ones in it is that they can be blown by they are blown by the same winds that we are and not toppled. Well, sometimes they're toppled, but they get back up. So again, Samantha Bonder's message to us is to sit upright and contemplate the true marks of reality, which is constant change, constant freedom, and constant love. Happy holidays. <laughs> 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 so glad you're all here.